welcome to ESMA Open Podcasts. Today, we welcome Professor Franz Dienkist to talk uh, with us about immune checkpoint inhibitors in lung cancer. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. So, Professor, which patients with non-small cell lung cancer should uh, receive immune checkpoint inhibitors already in the first-line setting? First-line setting, at the present time, things are quite clear. If the patient has a tumor with a high PDL1 expression, and high is defined as having it in more than 50% of the cells of the tumor, then it is clear, certainly after the latest presentation at the ASCO 2017 meeting, that if there are no contraindications, pembrolizumab immune checkpoint inhibition is the best strategy to follow because the progression-free survival and overall survival is better. If you start with immunotherapy in these patients, with pembrolizumab in these patients, and even if you later switch to chemotherapy, the benefits in progression-free survival and overall survival are preserved. So in first line, it is clear, highly expressing PD-L1 tumors are the best treatment is pembrolizumab immunotherapy. And that is where we are at the present time. So at the present time, it's highly expressing, highly PD-L1 expressing non-small cell lung cancer. So you already mentioned the importance of biomarkers in this particular patient population. Are there any new promising biomarkers on the horizon that we should test for? There are um, promising biomarkers on the horizon. As it is at the present time, it looks like pd one immunohistochemistry, and that's in terms of pathology, it's a simple test, meaning it's an immunohistochemistry, although the pathologists have to be trained in it so that they, they gain experience, and then it's a quite reliable test. And so I think we will be with pd one staining for a few more years for sure. And it's an important biomarker, but it's not the perfect biomarker because it enriches the population, meaning you have a higher likelihood of response if you have a higher pdl one It isn't completely a black and white, meaning some patients with low pdl one still have a durable response, and that's important for the future. So yes, there is a quest of many new biomarkers, and probably it will be quite a complex story because it's an interaction of many things. It's an interaction of the, the type of the tumor in terms of the, the genetic type of tumor. For instance, patients with a simple tumor of a non-smoker with EGFR mutations do not respond well uh, to immunotherapy. On the other hand, on the genetic level, if the tumor is very chaotic and has a lot of mutations, such as the typical squamous cell carcinoma in a heavy smoker, then that's a good thing for immunotherapy because the chaos in these tumors means there's a lot of new antigens and the likelihood of response to immunotherapy is better there. We will have to look for um, genetic complexity. We will have perhaps to look for new antigens. We also have to look for tumor cell, tumor infiltrating lymphocytes because if the soldiers that we make active by immunotherapy are not there, uh, they cannot act. It's a composite of many, many things. And there is fascinating research ongoing. At the present time, I think for clinicians, 
we will stick with PDL1 immunohistochemistry for quite some uh, more years. Everything comes kind of with a cost. Do we have to consider any special side effects in non-small cell lung cancer patients that might be different to other entities? The side effect management of patients that have checkpoint inhibition immunotherapy is uh, really um, a quite difficult story. And every one of us, we're still learning about this because in contrast with what we knew from chemotherapy or even from targeted agents, from chemotherapy, we knew that the leukocytes could go down. We know when this happens. And so it was a very clear picture. With immunotherapy, it's so much more complex because on average, this treatment is very well tolerated. Autoimmune side effects can happen at any time and any place in the body. It makes it quite difficult. Of course, there are patterns and there are typical side effects such as autoimmune dermatitis, autoimmune hepatitis, autoimmune pneumonitis, and they all have, in the literature, they have described typical periods of occurrence during the treatment, but uh, it's never a certainty. So some side effects may develop very early, some side effects may develop very late, even after the treatment has been stopped. So we really need to know how to deal with these autoimmune side effects. We need, to, we need to carefully monitor the patients for this. We need to know the signs and symptoms, and um, we, we, we need to have an adequate strategy if these side effects happen, because in general, with immunotherapy, it's very well tolerated, but about 10% of the patients will have these autoimmune side effects, and about 5% of the patients will have them in an important way as, as a serious adverse event. And then it's very important because it can be life-threatening, such as autoimmune pneumonitis, for instance, and then you really need to, um, to treat this very eagerly, very quickly with corticosteroids or even other immune-suppressant drugs. So... Of, of, it's a whole new thinking in, in how we treat lung cancer in, uh, compared to what we had with targeted agents and chemotherapy and um, still have to learn. So coming back to my first question, which patients should then definitely receive immune checkpoint inhibitors in the second line setting at the latest? Well, the second line setting is clearly different from the first line setting. And so one of the reasons is because the comparative therapy that we have, first-line chemotherapy, certainly for patients with adenocarcinoma with cystic set followed by set, is quite a good therapy. So the competitive therapy in, in the randomized controlled trials in first line is much stronger and much more efficient than it is for second-line therapy because after failure of the first chemotherapy, what we can achieve with second-line chemotherapy, for instance, docetaxel, is moderate. So it's much more easier to beat something that is moderate than, than something that is reasonably good. So for that reason, the threshold to go to immunotherapy in the second line is much lower. And actually, for patients with squamous cell carcinoma, if there is no contraindication for immunotherapy, Often, immunotherapy with checkpoint inhibitors is the best choice because the other choices, predominantly docetaxel single-agent chemotherapy, has a very uh, limited outcome. Uh, for adenocarcinoma, it may be a bit more complex 
as I already alluded to, if the, if the tumor has an oncogene driver, then usually better to treat with targeted agents or even with chemotherapy. For instance, EGFR mutant tumors, they on average do not well with checkpoint inhibitors, and they're certainly uh, not uh, the first choice, nor in first line, nor in second line, and perhaps even nor in, in third line therapy. But for adenocarcinomas, there is a relationship with the biomarker, with PDL1, and there is a relationship between the chances for response to immunotherapy and the PDL1 expression in the tumor. So for adenocarcinoma, it's a bit different because for adenocarcinoma, there can be alternative treatments. And if you are very low in the PDL1 biomarker, it may be better to have a therapy with docetaxel and nintedanib, so a combined therapy of taxanes and angiogenesis inhibition, may be better for these patients with very low PDL1 expression than having immunotherapy in the second line. So for squamous cell carcinoma, it's simple. If it's feasible in terms of contraindications and side effects, immunotherapy is on average to be preferred. But for adenocarcinoma, it's a mix of things. We have more treatment possibilities other than immunotherapy. And so PDL1 immunohistochemistry, PDL1 expression in the tumor plays a role there. Thank you for that very uh, good explanation. So coming now to small cell lung cancer, is that also an indication for immune checkpoint inhibitors? Small cell lung cancer is especially a problem in case of relapse because the first-line therapy for small cell lung cancer is platinum etoposide chemotherapy. That's for quite some time already, and it, it hasn't really changed. But the, 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 the difficult thing in, in small cell lung cancer is after an, an initial good response, which we see in most of the patients, the relapse is very difficult to treat. And there, the only approved therapy is topotecan, uh, single-agent chemotherapy, And the results of topotique and single-agent chemotherapy are not exactly very rewarding. So there, there is a high need for better therapies. And so what is clear from the data that we have in small cell lung cancer now is that PDL1 expression, and remember it's the biomarker that we just discussed, is on average rather low in small cell lung cancer. And the results with single-agent immunotherapy so just targeting PD-1 or PDL one are not very encouraging in small cell lung cancer. The ongoing clinical trials concentrate on combination immunotherapy, inhibition of both PD-1, PDL-1, and CTLA-4. So combined immunotherapy with two different agents. Of course, this increases the potential toxicity especially the autoimmune toxicity is increased. And patients with relapsing small cell lung cancer are often vulnerable for side effects. And uh, so this can be a problem if you use combination immunotherapy. The results that have been reported are somehow encouraging with outcome data that are a bit better than topotecan, but the difference is still rather small. So for small cell lung cancer, we're clearly not there yet. And I don't think that immunotherapy has at the present time revolutionized the treatment of small cell lung cancer 
compared to non-small cell lung cancer, where it has, where it has really opened uh, a new era of treatment. Thank you so much. So we heard a lot about um, the role of immune checkpoint inhibitors in lung cancer. So what are the upcoming next trials and what can we await for ESMO, for example? I think immune checkpoint inhibitors are now established in non-small cell lung cancer in first line in highly expressing, highly pdl one expressing tumors and in second line in, in many patients. So the directions that we will see are, are, are predominantly two different types of directions. The first is all types of combination therapy, meaning immune checkpoint inhibition can be combined with chemotherapy, can be combined with radiotherapy, or can be combined different immuno-oncology agents brought together in, in one regimen. And so what we will expect at the ESMO meeting in Madrid is that there will be a report of these types of combinations. For instance, the combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy. Um, there will be interesting data, and uh, we will have to see how big the difference is and whether it's um, better to give these agents in sequence, so first immunotherapy, then chemotherapy, or vice versa, or giving it all together will depend on on the results that, that we will have, and we will have some interesting results at the ESMO meeting. And then the other part is now that we have established checkpoint inhibition immunotherapy in metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, the next step is to see if we can also use it in earlier stages of disease. For instance, patients with stage three that have been treated with concurrent chemoradiotherapy, if they have a kind of extra therapy, if they have kind of consolidation therapy with immunotherapy, if you can improve their chances of cure, because in the earlier stages, the non-metastatic stages, the main endpoint is the number of patients or the proportion of patients that you can cure. And certainly both in early stages where the cure rate is about 50%, and in locally advanced stages where the cure rate is between 25 and 30 percent, there's a hope that immune immunotherapy with checkpoint inhibitors may improve cure rate there. And that would be a big step forward as well, because until now, all the strategies that we tried with angiogenesis inhibition, with targeted agents, with vaccines, have failed in, in that setting of trying to improve cure rates in non-metastatic patients. So the hopes are there that immunotherapy with checkpoint inhibitors may add cure rate in the patients with non-metastatic non-small lung cancer. And perhaps at the ESMO meeting, there will be a first important trial in patients with stage 3 there. Thank you, Professor Franstinkis, for this really good overview and also giving us an outlook about the exciting upcoming data for the ESMO conference 2017 in Madrid. And for all of you who have not registered for the ESMO conference yet, you can do so on the ESMO homepage under www.esmo.org. Thank you and goodbye.